Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Live show, where we interview athletes, coaches, entertainers, artists, musicians, authors, and many more on both our podcast and YouTube channels. We discuss their upbringing, careers, and what they're doing today. We document the past so the future can remember. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share our programs. Got a guest you'd like to hear? Contact us and try and get them on the program. We have over 200 episodes recorded, so please enjoy. Stories can't be remembered unless they are told. Someone asked me one time how I get my guest ideas. It's easy. Those I've had memories of in my lifetime. In a weird sort of way, it brings closure to certain times in my life. A history major at Indiana State University, I feel it's my way of preserving history for future generations to remember. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Live show. I am your host, Billy Powell. And as you can see with us is the legend, Tim Stoddard. Tim is one of, man, I think I can only count him on one finger. Uh, someone who's won an Indiana High School Basketball State Championship with East Chicago, Washington. He's won an NCAA Basketball Championship with the Wolfpack in 1974, North Carolina State. And he's also has a World Series ring. He could be a li the Liberace with all of his rings from the Baltimore Orioles in 1983. Uh, Tim, thank you for spending some time with us. I know you got a busy schedule and uh, we appreciate you spending time with us and uh, sharing the nostalgia and the memories of uh, your life in the game of sports. Thanks, Billy. My pleasure. Uh, Tim, tell us a little bit about growing up. Uh, who, who introduced you to sports? Uh, tell us maybe a little bit about your family and uh, what was it like in uh, the East Chicago area when you were growing up? Uh, I mean, I was, uh, I had two older brothers and a younger sister. So I was the younger brother that kind of hung around with them all the time, got in their way. You know, the last guy picked on the team. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the uh, we all played sports all the time, whatever season it was, it was we were doing it, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, we were out playing in a field somewhere, um, you know, having a good time, trying to stay out of trouble, kept us out of trouble, but it did. What, um, uh, did you have a basketball hoop at the house? Uh, no, we had an awning that we used. <laughs> and they were rough games. They were really rough games, but we had parks everywhere back then, so. Uh, you know, we'd go over to the park and play all the time and uh, do that for baseball. We, you know, had our big X drawn up on, a, you know, the, the library wall and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, we, like I said, we, whatever the sport was, whatever time of year it was, uh, myself, my friends, my brothers, all, all their friends, we were always playing something. You know, living in Houston, Texas, being born and raised in Indiana, but living here in Houston, Texas for the past uh, 20, 25 years, you know, people are like, uh, why do you have shorts on? I'm like, it's 45 or 50 degrees. It's warm. We, we can go outside and do whatever we want. Oh, absolutely. Playing baseball uh, up here in this stuff. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What? Um, so, you know, there was no AAU ball. Uh, back then, um, did you guys, you know, the core of that uh, great uh, state championship team, did, did you grow up with that core? Did you go to uh, grade school and then middle school and then on to high school with that core? Or how did that work? A couple, a couple of us were together in, in, uh, in grade school, but most of us met kind of the high school back then. What We didn't have a junior high. It was seventh through twelfth grade. Uh, so we started playing all together when we were seventh grade. Uh, all the way through there so we got to know each other pretty well for six years you know what did you kind of with with we'll start with basketball first and then I want to go to baseball but did you kind of have a did you have a favorite basketball player that you liked watching when uh, you were a youngster did, was there a college that you followed or was there somebody's game that you kind of emulated your game by and then of course the same question with baseball I'm, a, I'm assuming we're we're all baseball fans upon the geography of where we live uh, yeah, I don't, you know, I probably couldn't pick one player that I ever followed anywhere. Um, I watched all the games. My friends, my friends were the guys that knew everybody's statistics. The guy would have bat and they would know the statistic. I did not have that. I did. I did not have that capability. Uh, but 
but I had a bunch of friends like that. They had everybody's baseball cards, stuff like that. I was the guy that wanted to be out and playing all the time. So I was the guy that, you know, let's go out and play. And then we come back and, you know, go over, watch the baseball game and things like that. Obviously growing in Chicago, growing up in Chicago, you're watching the Cubs and the White Sox mostly. Um, so, you know, but in a sense of say one specific player, uh, no, I honestly, I can't say I, I had one that I tried to emulate or, or be like, I just wanted to play. Six, seven or six, eight. And when did your major growth spurt happen when you were growing up? Uh, I was probably six, five by the time I was a freshman. <laughs> That's a long string bead. Um, so, I mean, I crept up a couple inches after that, but, um, you know, that was, I was kind of tall when I was young, so it was hard to buy clothes. Did you, as a youngster, did you have a favorite sport or you didn't care as long as you were playing either baseball or basketball? Um, kind of like I said, I mean, it was whatever season it was, we were playing, you know, we'd get together, play football when it was football season. Um, just kind of the way you grew up back then wasn't a thing of, uh, you know, with the stuff now where you've got to pick and choose. Uh, you just rotated whatever season it was. So it was football season when it was football. It was basketball season there, basketball. Then go right into baseball. So you just had that constant rotation of, of sports that we played, and, um, you know, all the time. You know, I would stand in the mirror with uh, the hairbrush and uh, be lip syncing to music and fantasizing what I was going to do later on in life. As a youngster, did you did you have a a dream of what you wanted to do? Uh, was it professional athletics or uh, was it something else? And well, you dream about that all the time. You know, making a final shot in a basketball game. You know, either striking a guy out or hitting a home run. Uh, you know, you played all those fantasies when you're playing all your games and doing things. So, um, you know, did I know I would end up going to play college basketball or, or play professional baseball. Uh, no, you know, down deep, you know, you hope and pray, you know, I kind of leave that as your fantasy. And I tell, I tell people now, I says, you know, don't ever lose your fantasies, but you know, you kind of got to figure out where you are and see how everything falls and breaks. And, you know, it takes hard work and being with the right people and um, that kind of, that kind of stuff more than, you know, I just want to do this and this is what's going to happen. You know, when did you realize that uh, you guys had something pretty special there? I mean, your, your guys' team ranks is always in the conversation with uh, one of the best all-time uh, state champions in uh, the state of Indiana, along with, you know, big George McGinnis and the 69 uh, Washington Continentals and, of course, uh, uh, Oscar Robertson and some of those great addicts teams. Uh, when did you know you had something special? And, and, and tell us about the atmosphere of playing at East Chicago, Washington. Uh, I would say probably my junior year. I think that's the year East Chicago Roosevelt ended up winning a championship and they went undefeated. They had Bradley then. Uh, that was the only games we lost were to them that year. Um, and we knew we were pretty good then. I mean, we had the speed, the size, we had guys that could shoot. Um, so we kind of knew then. So then we kind of went into that 71 season, our senior year. Uh, we were kind of ready to try to make a run for everything. So it was a little bit difficult up there in that area because you, you, you guys would beat each other up. Yeah, there was a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of good basketball up here. I mean, you had to go through the Gary schools. Uh, obviously, the, the schools in our conference were all pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was tough getting out of this region, getting down to, to Lafayette and play at Purdue for the for the uh, section. The, state sectional so um you know it was it was kind of a, a tough a tough road but um you know i think gary west was really good that year our senior year and we really had a good tough game with them so um and that was the one that kind of let us go down to the, the uh, semi-state what are your memories or do you think of them very often of that the final four and playing on the historic you know, uh, uh, Butler Fieldhouse, now known as Hinkle Fieldhouse? Uh, I mean, you've heard the stories, obviously, as you know, you've, you've listened to games on the radio. I remember listening to Rick Mount play. 
uh, on the radio, you know, I was a kid with a little ear plug in the, in the ear back then, um, you know, things like that. Um, the fact of, you know, playing two games in one day, the afternoon and the evening, uh, I always thought was very unique and uh, very tough and demanding. So I just thought it was, you know, special to get to that point. And the fact that uh, Indiana at that time still had only one state champion. Um, I remember probably, I think the only game we ever got out rebounded that year was against Rossville. And I don't think they had a guy over six foot two. And we played them in the afternoon at, at uh, in Lafayette. And I remember after, the, after that game, my knees were sore because if you were at half court, they'd block you out. Uh, very fundamental, very, you know, good scrappy team. But, you know, that's what you played against. And, you know, it's kind of nice to say, you know, we were the only champion in this state. You know, uh, attending brought up a high school, we were in the Hinkle sectional. So, you know, we played on the Hinkle basketball floor several times and I have a two inch okay. vertical. I have a two inch vertical, but I always felt like the Hinkle Fieldhouse floor gave me a four inch vertical. Did it give you a little bounce? Did you think? I had that little spring to it all the time. You know, those portable floors always had that kind of had that little, uh, little extra bounce to it. So yeah, it was good. I needed that too. Trust me. Uh, tell us when did you, you know, we know it, we know recruiting is not like it is today, but when did you get on that radar? And do you remember a couple of those first schools that you got offers from and was, uh, were they both for, uh, basketball and baseball? Uh, yeah, pretty much everywhere I was looking, I was looking for, for both ways, uh, sports, um, North Carolina state where I went recruited Indiana a lot back then. Uh, Pete Oxel, who was our assistant coach at the time, um, was the, uh, he had gone to North Carolina State. We probably had three, four guys out of the Northwest area there that had gone down there. So there was some connection. Norm Sloan was an Indiana man. Uh, so he had connection. So uh, that kind of started that. But the other schools I was looking at, I mean, I looked at Texas and Arizona State, and that probably more baseball oriented schools at the time. Uh, but I wanted to do both. I wanted to get a little bit warmer weather than up here by Chicago. So, you know, I was kind of looking for that type of uh, setup. And um, the fact that Sam Esposito was a South Side of Chicago guy, um, and he went to University of Indiana and played three sports down there, he kind of understood. He was the uh, assistant basketball coach and a head baseball coach. So it made my transition down there work very easily going from one sport to another. Before heading to North Carolina State, was there the possibility that you could have uh, uh, started out in minor league or professional baseball at that time? Or uh, I'd like to say yes. Uh, I was getting a lot of scouts out the game, things like that. Um, it was really cold one day. I kind of hurt my arm. I kind of had to sit back a couple of weeks, but then came back. There were still a couple of teams that were interested, but where I was supposed to be kind of a, they told me I'd be kind of a, a really high draft pick. It kind of went down to the point where I was just going to end up signing as a free agent guy. And at that point, I kind of decided I wanted to, uh, you know, give it a try to I'd go to college, you know, get an education, play there and see what happens. You know, it worked out pretty good. Of course it did. did. Was there any kind of, you know, there's a lot of people that uh, have left the state of Indiana to, to go and pursue sports in other states. Was there any kind of backlash or anybody giving you kind of a hard time for, for, for leaving the state or? No, I mean, the, the schools were recruiting me and stuff like that. I mean, Purdue had, you know, gotten in contact in Indiana, but no, it was something that with my base with wanting to play baseball. So I was looking more that direction. Uh, so I was looking more a little bit warmer weather scenario for myself. So, so what was it like that first year on campus at North Carolina State? Did you uh, did you feel like you had made the right decision or was it kind of scary at first? And how did you kind of ease yourself in? Well, I think anytime you go away to school, it's a little bit scary to start, but um, you know, when you're, when you're in sports, it's almost like getting a family, uh, you know, handed to you that you're part of all the time. So uh, when I first got down there, that was the last year of freshman basketball. Um, so after that, they kind of went just to the varsity. 
so we had a freshman team and we got we became very close uh great friends all that so i mean it was just you know you got a new family automatically right away so um it was it was really pretty easy once you got there when did you feel like you had something special down there uh with the wolf pack when i saw david thompson play <laughs> Okay, so so I guess that you can uh, uh, kind of uh, second the opinion on the the Phil Spence story of him putting the four quarters up there and taking that dollar off. Well, I never saw that, but I've I've seen him get off. I've seen him up there, uh, you know, and, and I remember Phil telling that story and and that, and, you know, when Phil ended up coming to the state, I mean, that those you know we'd have to take turns guarding David a lot of times. You know, and that's probably the best thing that happened to us was trying to guard him. He was such a good player, you know, and we, you know, we complimented, the team complimented each other so much and everybody kind of knew their role. And, uh, but David was such a good player. I mean, he could shoot, he could pass. Um, there wasn't anything he really couldn't do. So uh, it was, it was fun watching him play and it was fun playing with him. It was really tough having to guard him in practice, but it made me a better player. Uh, so. Um, you know, uh, we still have a, a big text team text machine that goes out all the time. And, you know, guys are constantly staying in touch with each other. So it's very, very nice. What was North Carolina State baseball like during your career there? A um, couple of years before they, they went to the World Series. Uh, Mike Caldwell was uh, there at the time. Um, we went to the regionals every year, could never quite get out of the regionals. Uh, to get to the World Series, but we went to the regionals my last three years there. So it was it was competitive. We got some we had some players drafted, you know, get pretty high. So um, uh, Sammy, like I said, Sammy Esposito was a, a former pro player. He kind of knew the ins and outs and what to do, and um, he did a pretty good job coaching us up. You know, I was watching uh, yesterday and doing a little research for the show. Um, it, it's kind of even not research; it's more of uh, uh, just a pleasure watching some of that stuff. I was, was watched uh, your guys' battle, of course, with uh, uh, UCLA. And and what are your memories of that game? I mean, I mean, do you did you still flash back to them, or did it go by so fast that you know? And, and I, you know, just winning the national championship. Well, we knew we'd have to go through UCLA. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So. Uh, we had played them. I think that was our only loss that year. We played them around Christmas time in St. Louis, and uh, you know that was that was a pretty good game till right till the end. So we knew we can play with them the whole time. So as good as they were coached, you know, Bill Walton, the team that they had uh, was you know pretty spectacular. Uh, another teammate of mine from East Chicago, Pete Turkovich, was on that team. So it was uh, it was it was it was just a great game. You know, don't really like going into overtime when you got to play games like that. But uh, again, you know, we had Tommy Burleson, who was a, a great player and played a lot of years in the NBA. And, and with David, we knew we can pretty much play with anybody. So it was uh, once we won that one, we knew we had a really good shot to win. You guys had a lot of uh, uh, Indiana ties on that national championship team. Yeah, I mean, Monty Tao was, uh, you know, from uh, was it Conway. Converse. Um, Converse, that's right, Converse. Money will get me now. Um, you know, and yeah, I mean, like I said, Norm was, Norm was from here, things like that. I think they had uh, Steve Lake. There's, there's quite a few guys that, like I said, they recruited this area, you know, a lot back then. So, um, you know, it was, it was pretty exciting. You know, the buzzer hits zero and you're national champions and, and you, you've got a, you know, you're also a state champion in uh, Indiana and Indiana high school basketball was, was, was the thing back there in the United States of America. Uh, what were those initial feelings and uh, how do you come down from a high like that? Well, you know, really it was, it was a thing you, you don't quite realize what you accomplished at that point. You know, you do kind of later on in life. You know, but right then it was just kind of winning there and that's what your goal was. Uh, but as it went on and you kind of start realizing, you know, what you're able to accomplish, you know, you start realizing that, you know, pretty special feat that was accomplished. You know, I get to ask these questions, so people will be mad at me for asking these questions, but was Bill Walton a trash talker? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I don't know. I thought I beat him up pretty good. <laughs> uh, I mean, I had I had Meyer and Wilkes most of the game, but when Tommy came out of the game, I ended up getting uh, uh, getting Walton quite a bit. He was a great player. He his, he can jump so fast, you know, double double jump things like that. That was uh, it was tremendous. He didn't really say a whole lot, um, but uh, you know, they had a great team. There's no doubt about it. Did you get to shake hands with uh, Coach John Wooden? And what are your thoughts on him? I mean, obviously, you, you know what he accomplished, you know, going into the whole thing. You know, being from Indiana, you know, there's, you know, some history there. But, um, yeah, just admiration. You know, everything he's done, the teams he took, uh, you know. And then you, as you get older and you start reading the stories and the legacies and everything that he's done, you know, with people on and off the field, I mean, on and off the court, he's an amazing man. So you, you've, you've won a national championship in basketball and a, a lot of guys are thinking, you know, what am I going to do with my pro career in basketball? You go right back into baseball. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing with, uh, the Vespazito up there is, you know, okay, well, you won that one. Let's get ready for this one. You know, and I missed a lot, big portion of the baseball season because, uh, you know, we always went kind of deep in the, in the, in the spring. And he never lets you touch a baseball, you know, during that time. So the first time I'd pick up a baseball was after, you know, basketball season was done. And, you know, I'd get my glove out of the closet and go out to the field for the first time. So, yeah, it was, you know, just kind of went with the routine. And how does that baseball uh, career start? How does that get jump started? Um. We we're playing there. We 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 did real well. Um, again, thought I had a shot to get drafted in high school, but didn't because uh, of a, a, an injury. Um, we're going through there. I was playing in the CIC uh, CL uh, in, in Bloomington uh, normal area uh, for my summer league. So there were scouts and things out there. I was pitching. That's what I did in the summertime. So there were some teams out there looking things like that. Um, I got drafted after that year we won the championship, but I, I didn't sign because that was our that was our my junior year, um, and decided not to sign. I wanted to go back and and have another year of school, and uh, you know they didn't offer enough either. But um, you know then I'd give it a shot, and then I got drafted. That back then, if you got drafted and didn't sign, you went into a winter draft. I went into the winter draft and got picked by the White Sox. So when the next season was over, my senior season was over. Uh, we were playing at South Carolina in the regional. South Carolina beat us. They ended up going to the World Series. And uh, the scouts from the White Sox, you know, came over and talked to me, and they wanted to sit down and have a meeting and said that they had the rights to me. And, you know, would I sit down and talk with them and see what we could do and work out? And um, I kind of liked what they offered. I knew basketball was interested in me. Uh, there were some teams that, you know, said they would, you know, you know, here through the grapevine if they're ready to draft you or, or this, but you know, I wasn't going to be a number one pick or this. I was kind of the, I was kind of the grunt on the team. So um, I kind of had to pick and choose on which one I thought that, you know, I might have a longer career in probably more than anything. And I uh, thought baseball was that one that kind of I chose. So I was pretty happy when it was all over. Uh, so, so you played for the White Sox in 75? Yes. And, and what was that like playing? Once again, you're in your backyard. I mean, you got, I mean, the, your story gets better and better. So, you know, now you're playing in your backyard where you, you know, listen to probably White Sox radio, uh, White Sox game. You end up playing for the Cubs, listen to Cubs games on the radio. And now you're pitching in Chicago. I mean, that's got to be a, a goosebumps. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. I mean, it was, you know, the White Sox, uh, they weren't real good at the time, but, uh, you know, I, I get called up that year in September to go, go, go up to the big club and I'm sitting there and I, first time I sitting in a bullpen, I got to see Rich Gossage and Terry Forster warm up, uh, get ready to go in a game. And my first thought is what in the world am I doing here? You know, you never know how hard you throw yourself because you're never facing it. But when I'm watching these two guys throw, I've never seen anybody throw so hard in my life. And I'm just going, boy, I don't know what's going to happen here. But, you know, again, you know, 
kind of go through it and work hard and see what happens. And it worked out okay. Were mom and dad athletic or did you have any brother and sisters? Uh, I had a brother that played in college, uh, the Defiance in uh, Ohio, no D3, played baseball and football. Uh, my other brother was joined the Army. And uh, back then, there weren't a lot of female sports, so my sister didn't really play anything. So, I mean, not really. My dad was six foot, worked hard. We ended up in this area. They ended up in this area. He was in the Navy during the war and came and worked in the steel mills when he got out of the war. So that's how we kind of ended up in East Chicago. Did you have a good relationship with your father? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He, you know, he was the president of the Little League and, you know, would, would give us anything we can. You know, he worked a 16-hour shift so that, you know, we can play sports and do the things and, and, and have a good childhood. Um, so absolutely, my parents were tremendous. Was uh, mom or dad in the stands in 75 uh, with your White Sox debut? Yeah, they came up there all the time. So even later on, uh, you know, they'd come up uh, Cubs games and things like that. So, yeah, it was, uh, you know, they were definitely, you know, rooting for me and doing stuff. We won the national championship of basketball. They were down there. They came down to, you know, North Carolina. We played that year in Greensboro at the championship down there uh, you know they supported me the whole time tell us a little bit about your journey in baseball and 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 what it was like i know i know it's a i know it's a it's a long journey but give us some of the highlights of what it was like on, on some of your stops and what were some of your favorite stops i'm, I'm assuming probably uh, uh the orioles uh, and uh, the the cubbies because uh, the Cubbies won the um, um, uh, division that year. And then, of course, you won the World Series right. with um, you were in the World Series in 79 with the Orioles. And then, of course, you guys won the World Series championship in 83. Just right. give us a little brief, you know, how fun was that? Was it it was a once again, we with like a whirlwind, kind of like your state championship in Indiana and your national championship in um, uh, North Carolina? Well, when you first sign, you're overly excited because you're, you know, you're dreaming big leagues right away, even though you end up going into minor. Uh, the one thing that the White Sox offered me, which really helped uh, me persuade to go uh, baseball, was that they put me on the major league roster and I got to start in double A. So I got to stop, miss some of the lower stops. Uh, but riding on buses for 12, 14, 16 hours is not fun, no matter what level you're at. <laughs> so, um, you know, you end up doing that. I went to Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, it was their double-A team and, you know, played there that, that season till the end and then get, came up at the end of the year. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it's, it's like kind of eye-opening on how tough it is to kind of go through it. And, you know, everybody's got the same dream. So it's not that you root against your teammates, uh, but you definitely are, trying to outplay them all the time besides beat the teams that you're playing against. Were you, were you ever, you're out there getting ready to go on the mound or you're, 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 you know, you're, you're practicing or warming up and, and did you ever just, you, you, you saw a legend that, you know, uh, was playing baseball before, you know, you, you, you win the uh, national championship in North Carolina state and get into baseball. Were you ever in awe or like, 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 wow, I can't, I can't believe I'm pitching against this guy, or I can't believe I got to meet that guy. You know, uh, what were some of your wow moments on, on who you met, who you faced and um, um, how was that? Well, I mean, obviously, obviously, you know, uh, Goose and I ended up becoming really good friends. Uh, you know, when I first met him, I was, you know, very, very impressed. Uh, but in a sense of awe, I don't know if you can ever be a, professional athlete and say I'm in awe you know at that point you've got to sit there and say I'm as good as you and because you're going to compete against them when you're done you're in awe or before you're there you're in awe uh, but at that point in, in your life you're just trying to you're trying to be one of them and uh, you know you go over from there I go over to Baltimore you meet Jim Palmer and you know I played against Eddie Murray a little bit in the minors uh, but you start meeting these guys and playing against them, you know, Reggie Jackson and all those guys. And, you know, you're competing and playing against them. And, you know, it's when it's all done is when you sit back and you kind of sit there and say, you know, you're a pretty lucky guy. Can you give me, can you give us a couple of, uh, 
sentences on Earl Weaver? Um, wow. <laughs> Got to keep them clean, right? Well, well you, see, you uh, see the guy in the background. You see Coach Knight in the background. And you know uh, how crazy, and you've heard all of those stories. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I'm assuming Earl may have been a little, from what I have read and from what I understand, may have been a little crazy or just. Yeah, Earl, Earl was kind of, he was one of these guys that, you know, would constantly kind of yell out at the umpires and, and you in a dugout or whistle. He had that whistle that would just, you know, just ear piercing all the time. And, uh, you know, he knew what he wanted to do. The great thing about Earl is you knew what your position on the team was, you know, what innings you were going to pitch or when you'd pinch hit or, you know, you'd see who was pitching in the lineup that day. And if you're a platoon guy, whether you were playing or not, uh, things like that. Uh, you know, coming out to the mound, Earl, you know, he'd sit there and ask, you know, <laughs> what in the hell were you doing? <laughs> you know, take the ball and, you know, you're gone. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he was a great manager. He kind of taught you how to play. Um, a battery mate, Rick Dempsey, what was he like? Dempsey had a lot of energy. I roomed with Dempsey in spring training a lot. Uh, so Dempsey was obviously one of the best defensive catchers in a game i think he played four decades i think he got in the, the 60s 70s 80s and even a little bit in the 90s um so he can catch and throw uh the thing that i remember most about rick was living with him in spring training there was a bat on every wall in front of every mirror in the apartment that we rented so anytime you opened a door you had to sit there and like peek in to make sure he wasn't swinging a bat you know, getting ready, working on his stance. But uh, as a catcher, he could handle it. He was a great receiver. Um, so you just kind of put the game and trust in his hands. When did the stash come about? Uh, moment I left school. <laughs> moment I left school when you're able to grow one. Um, so I had that for a long time. Probably shaved it about, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. I can just picture you and Goose talking about stashes. Yeah. Well, this was a little more wiry. I tried to keep mine a little more trimmer than his, but not much. I love Sparky Lyles, too. Oh, yeah. Now, you know, when you're playing, when you're playing, it's, you know, it's like working the night job. You got to figure out how to entertain yourself all the time during the day. Did you feel like when you were th with the Cubbies that, you know, man, Lightning's been striking. I mean, it, I mean, Indiana high school basketball state champion, NCAA basketball champion, national champion, you know, World Series in 1983. Like, we're going to win a World Series with the Cubbies. You were on a roll. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, in the year before I was with the Orioles. So, you know, we won the World Series. So it was a, I got traded to the Cubs the week before spring training was up. So I came here and uh, I sat down and, you know, obviously following them and growing up in Chicago area, you know, the Cubs, you know, were always picked to be last and this or that. And I got over there and met the players and, and this and that. And Dallas Green was the general manager at the time. He had obviously made a ton of moves, brought a bunch of guys from Philly over, um, who was, you know, playing pretty well at the time. And uh, I sat down and I looked at it and I go, boy, this is a really a pretty good team. You know, and it's just, you know, they made a couple of trades. They brought in Sutcliffe during the year and Eckersley. And, uh, you know, it just turned into a great ball club. And, yeah, you start thinking, boy, you know, this team really has a shot. And the city was nuts. I mean, when you first went to the park, you'd have 5,000 people there. You know, by the halfway through the season when we started winning, you know, it's like, you know, you're getting there at 9 o'clock for a day game to start stretching and doing hitting. And, you know, they're lined up down the street trying to get into the bleachers already. So, um, yeah, it was it was a uh, very interesting turn of the season and turn of a franchise there. What, I'm going back a little bit. What was it first like to get your first bubblegum card? <laughs> your first laughing. baseball. <laughs> <laughs> they're laughing because, you know, I used to buy those and, you know, had them all in my spokes in my car, the whole scenario, you know. I always told my mom I bought him for the bubble gum. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of impressive to kind of see that. And, you know, and as you're playing, obviously you're getting more and more of them and um, you, you see what kind of business and industry it is kind of an amazing, uh, amazing setup. 
As you were going through high school, college, uh, professional baseball, were you a, um, a, did you collect stuff uh, along the way? Like, you know, do you, do you have memorabilia that, you know, you just, you wanted just to, to, uh, to, to save those memories? Um, no, not really. I mean, I ended up getting stuff for, for things that I was doing for, you know, I was helping out with a charity event or something like that, where you can sit and auction things like that. But I never really kept a whole lot of it. I got it all up here. And that was the important thing for me is, you know, kind of what, what I saw. Um, I got a lot of my own stuff that, you know, I've, I've had, um, you know, my kids want that kind of stuff whenever, you know, I'm, I'm gone. I guess, and, uh, you know, that, that, but yeah, I just, you know, you really didn't want to bother people, but, you know, you tried to help out friends and do things that, you know, we're trying to get stuff, um, you know, everybody I ever played with was fine signing things or doing things. I never had anybody that I played with that said, no, I don't want to sign that for you. Um, I know there are guys, but I never played with any of them. So it was, it was kind of that. What? Up, here, up here's the big part. What was your, what stop did you make in in baseball where the fans were the most knowledgeable or the most you know um, uh, uh, passionate? And what were some of the places that you really hated the pitch, and the fans were just like you know passionate for their team, but they would do anything to throw off the incoming team? Um. On that one, I'd probably say St. Louis when I was with the Cubs. When they came down, they hated the Cubs. So, I mean, that was a huge rivalry, uh, you know, back then. I mean, it still is. Uh, so that one, in a sense of probably one of the tougher places to play and do things, um, in a sense of great places to play. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to uh, play in Baltimore when we were winning. We were winning 95, 100 games a year place was always packed and I go to New York and you play, I played in New York for three years. And, um, you know, when you're at Yankee stadium and you're going through their stuff, the, the history and the memorabilia and the people that are there all the time, all that stuff's kind of amazing. So those, that's pretty good. You know, when you're out there warming up by the statues out in the bullpens and things like that, that's, that's uh, a lot of baseball history. Okay. Take us to the at bat where you hit a home run. We're in San Diego. Uh, Pete Lacoste was pitching with uh, San Francisco at the time. Um, so he throws me a one-two slider. That's a strike and the umpire called it a ball. Pete was mad. I was going like, oh, thank you. Um, then he threw a fastball right down the middle and I hit it and hit it good. And the thing I remember most then was Chili Davis, who is a friend of mine now, um, is, is playing center field and he goes sprinting back. So I'm running out of his box as hard as I can because I figured, you know, I'm not going to hit a home run, you know. So I'm running back as hard as I can. And then he pulls up at the warning track, turns around, starts laughing as I'm kind of heading in towards second base because it went about, you know, 10 rows deep or something. And he knew it was gone. He just wanted to make me run. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it felt pretty good coming off. You know, I was a good BP guy, but, you know, that's BP. And I hit in college a little bit and, and that. And, um, so you know, got the bat on one. Swing and swing and you never know what happens is what they say. Would you have liked to have had that ball or do you know what happened to that ball? Uh, yeah, I would like to have it, but I don't know. I don't know where it was or, or whatever. But, you know, at that point, I wasn't thinking because then I had to go out and pitch the next inning. And then, you know, you use, as a pitcher, you kind of get mad when a guy would kind of pimp you running around after a home run or something and taking his time, this or that. When I got rounded home, home my heart was beating so fast i can't remember my heart beating that fast as anything i've ever done before in my life um athletically so i had to go sit up in the hallway let my heart calm down before i can go back out and pitch the next inning you know i'm gone okay i know what that feels like now that now i know why those guys get so excited when they hit a home run you know because maybe back then you had 20 home runs and you know 
600 at bats, you were having a great year. So you kind of, I kind of got that feeling on how they feel that. Uh, one of the questions is that, do you really have a big butt? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fella. <laughs> I'm a big fella. So uh, what, what, tell us about the movies. Okay. I was at that time I was given some pitching lessons at a uh, place called the grand slam in Palatine, Illinois. And uh, they made major league out in California and Steve Yeager was uh, uh, the consultant for the baseball stuff. So when they were coming here to do it in Wrigley, uh, they got in touch with a scout that we all knew and knew real well. And they came in and started talking to a bunch of us that had played and whether we'd be interested in doing any of this. So we, uh, they asked me if I'd come in. So I, I was the consultant on the movie you know, helping them set the fields up and, and try to, you know, give them the right ideas on how to do things or how it should be done. And then uh, um, they asked me if I'd be the, the pitcher with the big butt, you know, and uh, it, was, it was different and interesting to see how movies are made and in the order it's made, uh, how it's all done. So uh, I, I mean, it was probably about a, I don't know, two, two and a half month production uh, that they did. And it was, uh, you know, I was there pretty much for all of it. So it was kind of interesting to see how it was. It was, it was a lot of fun. So that was good. So do you have a SAG card? No, I was the only thing I was, I was in another movie, but I was, I was really pitching. Uh, I was in big also when uh, uh, Tom Hanks went to the game in big. I just happened to be pitching that, that time and a ball came off foul that they thought looked that went that way. So they used me, you know, for that. But uh, other than that, that's the extent of my acting career. Um, what was it like? I always ask this of all my guests. What, what is that like when it, it's time to hang them up? I mean, is that, is that, is that kind of a stage of a, 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 a were you down or were tell us a little bit about where you're like, you know what, this is my last hurrah after this I'm out. I mean, what's that like for a professional athlete? I hate to say, usually it's an injury that usually kind of gets you, you know, something that kind of starts leading you down that path. So, um, I had hurt my arm in New York the year before and they ended up letting me go right at the end of the year. Uh, and then the next year I came back and I played with Cleveland a little bit, but, you know, never really came back a hundred percent to where I was. Uh, so you kind of knew it was kind of on the verge. Um, you're hoping to get healthy and, and kind of get back into your normal form. But yeah, you also know, as you get older, it just doesn't happen quite as easy. So um, it was disappointing, but you know, that's when you kind of step away. So I kind of stepped away and, you know, you go home and, you know, you start spending time with your kids, which you never really get to do when you're not, when you're playing. And uh, ended up, matter of fact, during we were making that movie, I ran into Paul Stevens, who was the co head coach at Northwestern. That's how I got into coaching. He asked me if I'd come over there. So you know, it was a couple of years off. Played golf a lot, you know, during that off time, and then started coaching. And now I love doing that, working with working with young men and and helping them to try to live out a dream. Who did you hate to face as a pitcher? Like you knew you had the confidence, you knew you could strike out anybody, you knew you could get an, uh, an out, but who you're like, damn it, I don't want to pitch to this guy. The guy that probably, that I think probably hit me the hardest of my whole career was Tom Bernanski with Minnesota. Now, I did great against Kirby Puckett and Ken Herbick and Gary Gaiati, who was in the middle of that order. But for some reason, Tom hit me hard all the time. Now, they weren't always hits, but I'm going to say majority of the time, the outfielder had his back up against the wall catching it. And uh, uh, he, he hit it hard. It didn't, didn't matter what I threw or where I threw it. He just, you know, and we, you know, became friends and talked and he just said, you know, Tim, I just saw you so well, you know, I knew what was coming and where it was. And, 
So, and that was, I finally got him out. I broke his bat and that's when I got released. But what? Finally get him out. I should have let him head, I should have let him head a home run or something. Who knows? Is Major League Baseball really good at taking care of you guys in retirement? I mean, there's pensions, you know, the whole scenario. I mean, you're offered the insurance and the insurance is just tremendous. You got to pay for it, but, um, you know, I, I would say yes, you know, um, you know, living in Chicago, I do things with the Cubs or the, when the White Sox ask, there's always things to do and help out. There's always charity events that you get to play in that, you know, for golf, things like that, that you kind of you do because you, you want to get back somehow. And that's kind of a way to get back. Uh, but also it's a great time to kind of catch up with everybody, you know, that's kind of gone off and kind of done their own thing in, in that area. So, um, but yeah, I, baseball has been great. You know, it's, I can't complain whatsoever. Um, you know, I wish I was playing now instead of back then because the money, but, um, you know, but that's everybody, even when I was playing, he saw it climb, you know, uh, exponentially as, as it went. So, um, yeah, they take good care of you. Um, tell us a little bit, how has the game, what's your opinion on how the game of college basketball has changed and how has the game of baseball changed since you've uh, been out? Well, the biggest thing that's called basketball, I think, is the three-pointer. You know, they went in trying to get, you know, more scoring and uh, this or that, but, you know, percentages aren't there. You look at, to me, you go look at the teams that are winning all the time. They're guys that are constantly going in and out, things like that and not constantly firing up three-point shots. So to me, that's probably the biggest thing. You know, we didn't have a shot clock back then. We didn't uh, have that, but we had David Thompson. We had David Thompson and we had Tommy Burleson, 7-4. So we had both ins and out covered pretty well. Um, so to me, that's probably the biggest thing. I don't think it really helped the scoring go up as much. But, uh, you know, they wanted to add more excitement, this or that. So um, that's what they did. Uh, Baseball, I mean, now, I mean, you see the shifts, everything. Um, when I played for Earl Weaver, Earl Weaver had note cards where he had everything on how he wanted to play or we wanted to pitch, things like that. Now there's computer printouts. You know, there's so much more support staff, the computers, the video, um, all that, uh, the things to help you get stronger. Um, you see all that, you know, the percentages on, you know, I still don't like the shifts in Major League Baseball, but you, you see them and they're doing them. And, you know, they're happy with them. And to them, it seems to work, I guess. I mean, the averages, the batting averages have gone down. So obviously it's working. Uh, so that's probably it. I mean, I think guys throw a little bit harder on a general basis just because, you know, the, the technology and the strengthening and, and everything is, is a lot different. You know, we didn't have all the, the bands and the drive lines and all those things that they have now, the rip soto and things like that. that check the spin of the ball. So it's just become more sophisticated. And, uh, they've learned how to use it. You know, uh, I interviewed uh, Phil Spence and he was uh, talking about uh, how much of a, uh, you know, you said, you said earlier about a group text with the rest of your Wolf, Wolfpack teammates, but uh, the university uh, uh, really still uh, uh, embrace you guys. And, um, you know, when you guys want to get together, when you guys want to come to a game, they still uh, enjoy that and still roll out the carpet for you guys. Um, I, obviously I'm not down there, but those guys go all the time. I think David probably doesn't miss too many games, but I know those guys go all the time. There's been times throughout, even when I was still playing baseball, that they would come back, you know, honor the team, things like that. And I'm sure if we're all still kicking in the next few years, 50 years is coming up. So I'm sure they'll try to bring us back and do things. Scary, isn't it? 50 years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they've always treated us well there. I mean, baseball has treated me well there also doing things. So, um, you know, they keep it informed. They're constantly, you know, want to go to a game, do stuff. Um, whenever I'm there, I try to get back and see things, obviously. But, um, I know the guys that are living there, they follow it, you know, very, very closely. Okay. So I started out my program with mostly uh, basketball interviews uh, because, you know, in, you know, in 49 other States, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's just basketball, but you know, this is Indiana. What was it like to get a phone call to let you know that you had been inducted into the Indiana basketball hall of fame? 
uh, an honor. I mean, it's just, you know, obviously that's one of those things that, you know, for for the high school, the, the state, that, you know, what can you, what more can you ask for? So I was overly joyed and it was a pleasure to, to get in there. I mean, they, they put our team in, I've been in individually. So that's definitely a, a great honor to, to be involved with the Indiana basketball. And, you know, they're, they're building a big uh, building down in Evansville, uh, which is going to be home to the Indiana Sports Hall of Fame, which you've also been inducted right. to also. Yes, I found that out. Uh, my problem is I won't be able to get down there because I'm coaching at North Central College now. It's a, a really good D3 program out just outside Chicago. And uh, that's all going to happen during our season. So you know, I make a commitment to the kids to coach and be with them. So I will be there, but yes, it is definitely an honor and I wish them all the best luck. You know, when you play a sport for so long, is there, you know, and you've been coaching for so not long now since uh, 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 retiring from major league baseball, do you ever get tired of the game? No, no. And it's the people in the game. It's the people in the game. I mean, as, as long as, as long as, the players and the young men uh, respond and want to listen and learn and at least act like they care what I'm saying, then I would like to keep doing it. I mean, I really enjoy it. I enjoy working with them. Um, I think it keeps me younger. When you're dealing with 18, 19, and 20 year old kids all the time, you kind of got to keep thinking pretty quick and young. Uh, so um, I really enjoy it. It's fun. I just, Really, I'm, I'm considered a part-time guy. I show up for games and practice. I don't have to do all the NCAA paperwork and all the recruiting forms and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's just the coaching part, and I'm having a great time doing it. You know, uh, Tim Stoddard has been with us. We know we can probably do a Ken Burns 10-part uh, series on this if we, if we wanted to because of all the memories that you have up there. But uh, we kept you a little long. Thank you so much for spending some time with us on the Keeping the Nostalgia Live show. I appreciate you. Uh, and uh, we thank you so much. Hey, Billy, thanks a lot. And uh, good luck with everything you're doing.